Now I feel like we're out of sounds. We are. We're going to resurrect the spirit of podcasting. Forever Young Adults At the podcast where we review books Hello and welcome to Forever Young Adult, a podcast where I, Aoife, and I, Kira, read young adult fiction, but one of us hasn't read it, and the other one has, and then we tell each other about it. <laughs> yeah, in a podcast in which we monetize our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> We're not actually friends anymore. No, uh, we, there have we... been several court cases about it. The litigations are ongoing. But the podcast continues. Yeah. This week, because it is the 21st of the month, unless we... gonna tell me about a book. Yeah, and our schedule is predictable, but weird, because it is regular, but it doesn't give a shit about days of the week, so... Who does? Days are just, like, time, but labelled. Eva, tell me about this book. Ah, uh, yes. That you read, but didn't write. I didn't write this book. This book is Geography Club, and it was written by Brent Hardinger. Brent Hardinger is an American. He has a master's in psychology and he is gay. Nice. This is a book with a lot of LGBT themes. I'm sorry, I've written a lot about the author in the long time since he wrote the book because he's really cool. But to get right back to it, this book was published in 2003. Mm -hmm. Brent Hardinger operated one of the world's first LGBT youth support groups in the 1990s in America. I love him. He's really, really, really cool. I love people who run support groups. So he he co-founded this group. That's kind of relevant to the theme of this book because there is an LGBT support group in this book. Spoilers. Uh, Like I said, he got an undergrad in arts. He got a master's in psychology and he was a lecturer for many years as well as writing books there's seven more books in this series oh it's a series yeah there's there's a series of books i didn't know that i only found that out in the research yeah i read this book and i didn't feel like it was a book that would have sequels it didn't end on a cliffhanger or anything but then i i i did the research and there's several more which follow the same characters as young adults and then also in their 20s Ooh, that's cool and interesting he has other series as well um, his he has a long term partner by the name of Michael, who mm-hmm. he is married to now, and whom this book is dedicated to. <gasps> this book from two thousand and three says, "For Michael Jensen, my own journey begins and ends with you." That is the cutest thing. Uh, if you think that's cute, wait until what's coming next. Okay, okay, okay. So these guys are in like their 40s, they're married, they're living in Seattle, 2007 hits, and they're like, America doesn't seem great anymore. We're just going to sell everything we own and travel the world together for the rest of our lives. They are, to quote themselves, digital nomads, because they are both writers, they tell their story of their ongoing journey on Brent and Michael are going places, their website. And they are middle-aged gay people in love. I, I'm going to check out their websites. I'm glad we discovered them. It's really cool. And apparently they were able to travel the world spending less than maintaining a place in Seattle. So they like go and stay in different cities for like a few weeks. And they're both like lecturers and writers. So they just... Mm -hmm say yes to all the travel opportunities they get with work and that would that would be beneficial and also they probably get like paid to do the travel like Mm -hmm. travel allowances and stuff so that makes sense to me yeah like the sienna the sienna i I couldn't do it though i i need to i need to go home yeah i need a base as well i'm from a very agricultural background i need to have my roots in the soil yeah but yeah i just i thought that was really really cute also as well as seven more books in this series, there is a short story where the main character gets tested for HIV uh, to raise funds for HIV research. Beautiful. It's real good. Beautiful. Hey, listener, get tested for the HIF. Yeah, get tested for the HIF. Uh, it is getting quicker and easier every day to get tested. It is getting easier and easier to maintain a positive status without like having large health risks and treatments are real good and a lot of places free yeah 
not everywhere so I'm not gonna like say that categorically but you know get tested anyway better to know and that is all I have on author talk do you want to should get like a little theme song author talk author talk talk about the authors cool now that I know all about Brent and his great life what did he do in this book he wrote a book about gay people gay teens in a shocking turn of events we have another book about lgbt people see the thing is i needed a short book and a book that was easy to read i bought this book like quite a while ago and it was sitting on my shelf and i was kind of keeping it in reserve for emergencies because i knew it would be easy and quick to read and it was easy and quick to read and i did love it and it was amazing as well as having major LGBT themes, um, key aspects of this book are kind of the high school politics dynamics that um, are very common in young adult fiction in America and seem very alien to me because I came from a very, very small town. Um, in this book, the town they're in is described as small, but it is not so small that it doesn't have multiple high schools. And also the high school they're in has 800 students, which is more than twice the number I had. My secondary school had uh, 1,000 students. Uh, interesting and foreign to me. And also <laughs> would probably make you one of the biggest schools in Ireland. Because I remember talking to someone. Um, I talked to someone in college who was like, yeah, I'm from the biggest secondary school in Ireland. They only had like 1,500 or 1,800 people in it. And the reason they were so massive is because they had like an Irish stream and an English stream. There were really two schools. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, the themes, high school politics, like I said. Also, 2003 internet happens in this book, which I love. Oh no! <laughs> 2003 internet, that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> I got my first email in 2003. It made me weirdly nostalgic. Like, I wasn't on the internet in 2003, but the internet... I began using in like 2008 feels like a lot more similar to the internet they use in this book than like the internet of today. That makes sense. Yeah. So like, okay, our main character Russell is a gay boy. He knows that he is gay. He is 16. He feels for almost all of his life, he feels like he is deep undercover in enemy territory, like maintaining a facade, like a spy. And he goes very deep into this metaphor and it's great. Uh, but he, he can't be real with the people around him, even like his two close friends. He feels like he can't have an honest connection with them, even though he likes them, because he he's can't spy. he can't tell them that he's gay. And therefore, so much of how he hangs out with them is a performance, because not only does he have to pretend he likes girls, he has to perform a certain type of masculinity that feels really alien to him like the very first scene in this book he's in the boys locker room and like there's a lot of non-dressed boys around him and like one of the boys is like yo middlebrook can i have your shampoo and he has to be like get your own damn shampoo and like perform the whole like i won't be talked down to i too am a big dude and like at some point one of the dudes is literally like nice ass Middlebrook and like he ha he like bends over and wiggles his bum he's like oh you really think so because it's like you have to you have to act play to the audience yeah you have to act like it's so ridiculous that any of you would be gay that you can even perform gayness as a joke because it is so weird yeah they wouldn't make these comments if they knew his dealio yeah so he's always like very hyper aware of that but he goes on online chat rooms and there's like there's there's a chat room and forum system very loosely described where like gay teens go and like we don't actually know what town he's in but there's like you know there's little sections it's like this is for like bi boys and this is for like boys who want to talk about topic x or topic y and then there's like geographical ones mm -hmm. and he notices that like there's some really small towns that have them so he starts just like hanging out in his town's one even though there's actually no one else there mm -hmm. but then one day um, another dude turns up yeah Ooh. and <laughs> this kid's username is 
gay teen. I mean, it's direct and to the point. And Russell is quite, like, aware that this could be, like, a a trap. Mm -hmm. So he's like, give me some details. Tell me about, like... Who you are. Who you are. And, like, they get to a level where they're, they're describing the school. And he's like, okay, like, you actually wouldn't be able to give this much detail about our school unless you did actually go there. Or that, were a teacher. That still doesn't mean they're not trapping him. Yeah. It just means that they are a genuine user of the school. Yeah. Except they're, like, talking about being gay and what it's like to be gay. And he's like, oh. Same. I didn't know other people had this experience. I just get so emotional about every fictional and non-fictional queer person who connects with another queer person for the first time. It's really, really really nice and they arrange to meet and they meet at a place that he describes as a stinky gazebo that's in like the middle of the night is the wood rotting is there a dead thing underneath it there's a swamp nearby oh yeah that'll do it Mm -hmm. i'm very concerned about why it's stinky i don't know why it's it's just i think he's trying to like get into the this was not a pleasant place to meet this boy. Yeah. But we were in the shadows. And he actually finds out it's one of the real popular kids. Oh. So Russell himself, like... Popular kids can be gay too. Yeah, and he's like immediately... Russell's immediately like, ah, I have the power here. Like at first he doesn't really believe it. He's like, oh, what are you doing here, Kevin? And Kevin's like, just waiting for someone. And Russell's like, yeah, I mean, I'm just... Waiting for someone too. I'm just riding my bike past here. And they kind of do that like... Dance. Yeah, I'm trying to... I'm doing it physically, but I can't convey it. It's like, you know when... No, you know when two cats want to fight, but neither of them wants to like throw the claw first? That's they're like, called a dance. Okay. Okay. Isn't it? They're circling each other. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's a popular kid. It's Kevin Land, who asked to borrow Russell's shampoo in the first scene. Ooh! Yeah, and was like, not nice ass. Oh, that's interesting. It's interesting that, like, they were both theoretically playing it straight while being gay. Yeah, it it was weird. It was fun. Because I kind of, he was a non- Does he just genuinely like Russell's ass? Perhaps. Perhaps. We'll get there. But, like, he was such a non-character when I started reading this book that I didn't even notice that by the time it was revealed who the other gay kid was that it was the jock from the first scene and it was only when I was flicking back through for, like, details I was like, oh, weird. Okay, Kevin. So, Kevin's gay. They talk about it. And, like I said, high school politics. Very important in this book. Kevin is really, really popular. He likes to be popular. He hates the sacrifices he has to make as a gay kid to be popular. Mm-hmm. Russell also makes sacrifices. What sacrifices do you, does Kevin have to make? Well, later on in the book, um, one of Russell's friends sets him up with a girl because he wants a double date. And, like, Russell confides in Kevin about this and how it makes him feel shitty and how he, like eventually turned this girl down and Kevin's like that was actually really brave of you it's really admirable that you can do that I've been in that situation a lot of times and I've said yes a lot of times I should have said no like he is forcing himself into uncomfortable sexual situations is kind of the read you get on it there's no real detail about it yeah but there's also scenes where there's like spoiler Kevin and Russell do get together and Russell briefly gets quite popular uh, for sports related reasons Mm -hmm. and he starts hanging out with the jocks and he notices that you know before he was having any kind of physical relationship with anyone he was like weirded out by how these boys talked about sex and stuff but now he experienced real intimacy and connection in the form of physical attraction and intimacy he's even more like these weirdos are stupid and dead inside i really thought you were gonna be like he gets it now and i was like how are they talking (laughs) i'm going to see if i can find the quote 
ever since I joined the baseball team, I'd known that if I was going to spend a lot of time with jocks, I was going to spend a lot of time listening to them brag about sex, especially on Mondays. For some reason, all the sex talk had been easier to stomach before Kevin and I had got together. Now that I had some idea what real intimacy was, it just made those guys sound like idiots and cruel idiots at that. It's like, you guys, you can't talk about how this girl was begging for it. That's not how it works. Like, you're not actually connecting with another human person if you're perceiving it like that. Which is, uh, insight into the patriarchy, which he does not piece together. <laughs> oh, poor Russell. Mm. So that first night, they, they don't get together. But it's really nice for Russell to find another gay person to talk to. Yep. And... He is immediately filled with a burning desire to tell another person. And he just happens to be hanging out with his friend Min. Like two days later, they're playing some kind of like Magic the Gathering style card game. And he's like, do you want some hot gossip? There's a gay kid at our school. Kevin Land is, is gay. And he's he like, outs Kevin? Yes. And he's like, it makes me sound like a dick. But the thing is, I just really needed to tell someone. Because another thing about this book is it's about how good people do really shitty things i thought i thought he was going to tell her that he was gay like now that he had told kevin he was gay it he was like i need to tell more people but no he just immediately outs the only other gay kid he knows he immediately outs kevin but min is trustworthy and also she's immediately like how do you know and he's like i met him on a forum for gay teens i am also a gay teen okay and i will allow it this one time Kira's not happy Russell Russell's not always the greatest dude I say as when I was like 16 I also outed people so I should be less hard on a 16 year old on a 16 year old fictional character who isn't hurting anyone as opposed to when I outed my mate and was like oh no though Kira. <laughs> Call out post for Kira? Kira. Kira's problematic. Kira's cancelled. Oh my. It's cool. We're still friends and he forgave me. That's good. That is good. The way Russell needs to tell people immediately about the gay thing, mm-hmm. the gay thing being that Kevin is gay and that he is gay, kind of reminded me of Stir Fry, where she's like, oh shit, this is actually real life stuff. Not that Russell's necessarily panicked. But he does tell Min and she starts laughing and she laughs lots and lots and lots and lots. Does that hurt his feelings? And he's like, what the fuck? I just told you like my biggest secret. I'm trying, I'm trying to be vulnerable with you here. You're the only person I trusted to tell. I only have two friends. You're the one I'm trusting with this. And she said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Uh, you know, Therese, who's like on the on the baseball team, the girls baseball team. He's like, yeah. And she's like, we're, she's my girlfriend. And he's like, I know your girlfriends. Like, weren't you guys in Girl Scouts together? She my romantic kissy-wissy. Nope. Yes. Kissy-wissy. Girlfriend. Full Romo. Doing the doing the the gay love and he's like what the fuck you're gay tell me and she's like i'm not gay i'm bisexual shout out which gives the best quote um i sent you this quote by text when i found it because i was like what a beautiful stereotype this came for me and i actually must put it in my bi group (laughs) because i'm pretty (laughs) sure it's gonna come for all of us so min says Actually, I think bisexual is probably more accurate. Never in a million years would I have guessed that Min was bisexual. And yet, now that she told me, it already made perfect sense. In a way, it explained everything from her general braininess to her ridiculous perfectionism. Can you explain to me how that works? Wait, show me. How does bisexuality explain braininess and perfectionism? Okay, so uh, when you sent this to me, I misread it as I am dyslexic and I misread things, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but I misread it as general brainlessness and ridiculous perfectionism, which for me <laughs> go together perfectly and make sense. <laughs> um, yeah, bisexuals are a mess, guys. 
This is fun, though, because... <laughs> because all queer people are a mess. It's the trauma. It is the trauma. I showed this to another bisexual woman at work earlier, and she was like, yep, that's it. That's what bisexuality is. And I was like, damn, maybe it is a stereotype. <laughs> brainy, brainy, brainless perfectionism. Yeah, yeah. You just gotta be a bit messy. So there is a total of four queer people now that they know about in their school. Mm-hmm. So they're like, we should. What's Teresa's deal? Teresa's a lesbian. So we got, oh, we got all the sexualities. I mean, like. We've got LGB. We got yeah. L- I know there's more than that. No, but, but yeah, yeah, we have LGB. We don't have any trans people in this book, I will note. 2003, did, were trans people invented yet then? No, I think they were a later edition. They were like Sims 4, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's You can actually have trans people in Sims 4. <laughs> okay, cool. They updated about a year ago and you can have um you can you can yeah, you can have not um you can have trans people. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. And you can choose if your sim is like able to get pregnant or not and all sorts of stuff, so it's really cool. That is really cool. Yeah, and um how they pee. <laughs> can you mix match all these traits? You can mix match all the traits and so you can have like you can have like a completely femme person who like can get pregnant and everything, but they pee standing up. That's cool. Yeah, I like that. As the head of reality, where we still haven't properly mastered womb transplants, even though it should be a non-issue. Yeah, all of my Sims pee sitting down because it creeps me out. When stand to pee. <laughs> it doesn't matter like anything about them, but if I make a Sim, they they pee sitting down. Finally, an extension that's valuable. Yeah. Beautiful. I love <laughs> The Sims. Representation. Once again, for people who are terrified of standing pee. Fair though, it gets everywhere. It does. And, like, that's just unhygiene. It is, yeah. Po- podcast episode. <laughs> we are talking about a book. Like I said, high school politics is massively important to this book. Russell and Min are close friends. They also have a friend called Gunnar. They're kind of nerdy, but they're on like the shoreline of respectability. I mean, he came out during a game of Magic the Gathering. That is true. That is true about our boy Russell. And with Gunnar, he also like keeps playing games like Squash and Croquette. And those are not jock sports. They're not jock sports. He's got a jock name, but doesn't do the jock sports. But it's like every time Gunnar and Russell are having a one-on-one conversation, it's because they're having they're playing some extremely odd sport. Gunnar is uh, Scandinavian. I think he's Swedish, and Min is Chinese American. Um, Russell, we have no reason not to think he's white. There's no racial descriptors given. But I think it's just interesting how race seems to play into your hierarchy on the high school politics. Because, you know, people like to think that bullying is its own issue, but it is actually just a violent um, outcrop of general social prejudice. And often the people targeted are people who are marginalised from society in other ways. Other named groups in their school include cheerleaders, druggies, girl jocks, the theatre crowd, lefty radicals, Christians, orchestra members, computer geeks. They have a lot of groups. They have a lot of groups and Russell's very hyper aware of all of them. So Therese is a girl jock Mm -hmm. and they all arrange to meet for pizza at a pizza parlour in town. And Therese also brings another gay kid she knows, who's one of the lefty radicals. Mm -hmm. So they talk and they have like this wonderful, amazing connection where like it feels like something wonderful has happened and they're all like together and they're sharing their their hiddenness and with people who understand and know. Yeah, and he's he's really Russell personally is like fuck this is good like I knew I was gay this whole time but I didn't know it I was missing this you know I didn't know other people were gay yeah and like it's really good for him and they're all really really loving it and so they're like tomorrow at school let's all sit together Mm -hmm. and then tomorrow at school they kind of like walk into the 
the cafeteria together and realize we can't we can't sit together and they all like like a gunner arrives and they all scatter in fear and it's a really scary moment because why would these people from such disparate groups be sitting together yeah basically Mm. and the reason why it's so scary is because of another character whose name is brian bunt brian bunt is the symbol of everything everyone is terrified of being he is a complete social outcast he has no friends he is violently bullied by everyone and everyone laughs as he is violently bullied sometimes the people seem like they're forcing it a little bit but they all laugh along that list of the different groups that existed in the school was actually a list of the people who were laughing when kevin threw chocolate milk over brian's head in the cafeteria kevin you bully yeah i disapprove of this behavior kevin it's it's really scary for them it's very high school musical you can't go outside of your social lines mm-hmm. or you risk being rejected by your original group and then becoming a social outcast and Brian Bunt is what you become when you're a social outcast so to have to have a cover for the reason they're hanging out together they decide to invent a club called the Geography Club hey Geography Club that's that's the name that is the name dumb motorcycle apologies listeners uh there is some real real cool dude outside of my house revving a motorcycle and i refuse to close the window because it is super goddamn hot in here um it's 100 million degrees that's not even exaggeration that's the true temperature i'm looking at a fahrenheit celsius meter right now yeah and in kelvin it's uh hotter than hell (laughs) geography club is indeed the name of this book good get so the reason they picked geography is because geography's boring. No one will want to come and join it. No one will want to come and join it. Also, like, obviously their school is kind of conservative and awful, but like extremely recently they had a teacher give an interview in a school newspaper about how she wants to provide adequate sexual health education for her Mm -hmm. students and she gets fired for that oh wow and in part of the in part of the interview Mm -hmm. she mentions that there are lgbt students in the school because there are 800 students so obviously there are lgbt students at least 80 of them she says that one of them approached her about the idea of starting a gay straight alliance in the school a gsa which was a form of LGBT support group that a lot of schools in America had for a while. They still have them. They still have them. Obviously, uh, it's it's. My for... cousin's in a GSA. Lovely. Yeah. Theoretically, straight people do bo- join them. Also, queer people who aren't out get to join them and say that they're straight. So they're very good. But obviously, this woman is fired for this, and everyone immediately decides that Brian Bunt is the one who is the gay kid. Ah. So he gets an extra level of bullying where people like smear lipstick on his face and stuff. And Some good it, transphobia right there. Yeah. 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 It's real bad. Um, but obviously now all these people who are various points in the social pyramid mm-hmm. are hyper aware that coming out would cast them right down to the bottom. And also there is already suspicion and rumors about there being a gay club. They're just like, it is a geography club. We do all of the paperwork for it being a geography club. We are a geography club. I, I, I would love if there's like six different clubs in this school that are like the geography club-esque in that they're all like undercover clubs. And then at the end, it turns out that there's loads of gay kids, but they're all just hanging out in groups of four. I, that isn't the end of this book. <laughs> But I really wish it was, because that's <laughs> lovely. I feel like if this book was more, but I'm a cheerleader-esque, it would be that. 
I do gotta say though, there are seven more books in the series. That is true. Each book uh, feature, each of the future books. I have not read any of the books, but each of the future books is a different group within the school of five kids discovering that they are gay. They have a few meetings where things are nice and they get to talk about being gay mm-hmm. and. Russell's like, I think Ike's really into Kevin and this upsets me. And Min's like, it shouldn't because Kevin's really into you. And he's like, he's not. He's not. Is he? Ooh. Is he? But then Belinda joins. Belinda is a straight girl. Belinda works in the administration office of the school. So she saw the like paperwork paperwork, and and she was like, I'm really interested in geography. I just thought it would be really good to have an extracurricular for the SATs. And Min's like, geography isn't in, on the SATs. And Belinda's like, oh, but it, it might be nice anyway. And Min's like, there's a $50 joining fee for maps and stuff. And Belinda's like, oh, well, my uncle's a cartographer. He might pay that for me because, like, you know, he's really into it. We could even get him in to talk to us about geography things. And, oh, no. And Min's like, fuck. Is the rest of the book just them running around trying to talk about gay things while Belinda tries to like organize a speaking event for them? (laughs) It is not. (laughs) That would be also a very good book. Curious. I'm rewriting this book as we speak. It is very good. We could make a remake. They made a movie of it that seems to be very different. um, Because for one thing, Russell plays football in it and is like a popular kid. As opposed to being like just on the borderlines of acceptability. Belinda does not get to do very much in that vein of things. Do they kick her out? They can't kick her out. They consider kicking her out. But then they're like, we can't kick her out because technically any student can join. And actually she's black and none of us are black. So if we kick her out racial discrimination yeah and they're like we could make another group and they're like well she works in the administration office so she would see the other major thing that is happening in this book outside of geography club itself is that gunnar Mm -hmm. russell's other friend really really wants to date a girl and that girl really doesn't really want to date him but her friend really really wants to date russell so they go on like three double dates And it's very uncomfortable. Uh, They kiss at one point and Russell describes her lips as soft, like overcooked asparagus. Aoife, you gotta stop describing kissing to me. I love bad kiss descriptions for people who are not into it in YA fiction. It's really, really fun. So Russell ends up on a few double dates with these two girls. And like I said, he kisses one of them yeah and it's like asparagus and it's really bad that's on their second date and she actually wants to have sex with him and russell's like i want it to be special (laughs) i please not in the front seat of my friend's car and she's like cool let's go on three more dates and book a hotel room then it will be special similar to that but way less expensive version Actually, in this date segment, there's a bit I really love because they're at a teen disco and Russell says, the raccoon in me loved the sparkly lights. I want... That's just a great phrase. It's just a great phrase. We all have an inner raccoon and it's when we see shiny things and we're like, ooh, nice. I always thought of it as an inner magpie. Yeah, I prefer a magpie, but you know... I prefer a raccoon. I'm going to switch. I'll take your magpie then. I'll have two. Okay. Shiny. <laughs> Shiny. So he kisses Kevin, shockingly. In a shocking turn of events, the gay boys kiss. In the park at the stinky gazebo. Um, oh, that's where they first met. <laughs> yeah. They went back to where they first met for their first kiss. It's not where they first met. because. But it's where they first met as... But it's where they first met as themselves, in an honest manner. This is true. It is like their default place to meet up, so it isn't that romantic. But what is romantic is how it's described. So, kissing this girl is like kissing... Asparagus. Yes. Soft, like, overcooked asparagus. In any event, I stepped up to Kevin and kissed him. 
In the close confines of his arms, it felt like I had stepped right up into the stars themselves, like I had become one with the sky, and that together we were as clean and as pure and as wide as the universe itself. Isn't it amazing when you kiss a person you like? <laughs> and it's a different experience too. Too soft asparagus. Just, you kiss someone you like and you are attracted to and it is good. Yeah. As opposed to kissing someone because society expects you to. You said that um, Russell gained some nor- gained some social status for sport. What sport? Uh, baseball. Baseball? So what happens is they're playing around just in the geography club classroom mm-hmm. and like throwing ping pong balls and stuff and Kevin's like hey you seem like really good at this actually and so Russell joins the team for him and he actually is okay he's not terrible and then there's a really big game where he wins the game essentially and immediately he's catapulted into like fame pretty much fame so he starts sitting with the jocks and he, which means he gets to sit with Kevin. Which means he gets to sit with Kevin, but they don't get to sit together because oh, they're yeah, very yeah, yeah. aware. But it also means that he has to play the game that the jocks play. So he bullies Brian Bunt. Like after practice one day, he goes back into the school to get a book from his locker, and two of the lads from the team are like saying awful things to Brian and like doing it on the staircase and being kind of physically threatening like they might push him down and like Russell is called upon to say something like they're throwing insults at them like like you're so scared you look like a dog that's about to piss itself you're so scared you look like xyz and they're like don't you think so Russell it's my turn I have to say a thing or I am at risk of being cast out like Ryan and he says something he says a shitty thing to Brian and feels bad about it. He feels bad about it. And he's just aware that like he used to like, he's very aware of social hierarchy. So he never like judged Kevin mm-hmm. for saying mean things to Brian. But he's like, now I have to be a mean person. And Min sees him and she immediately judges him for it. Okay. Roll back a little bit. So Belinda's not gay. She's straight. She's part of the geography club. They're debating what to do about it. Yeah. And they're all arguing about like... Solutions. Yes. And they're like, well, we can't just sit together at lunch. We can't go back to meeting at the pizza place we first met because eventually people will notice. What will we do? And Belinda's like standing in the doorway and she's like, oh... My mom's an alcoholic. And they're like, excuse me? And she's like, yeah. So like, I understand what you mean. Like people talk about their families all the time. And and I have to pretend that like, I understand what they're talking about. And people all get happy about things like, like Disneyland and like trips away and like spending time with their family. And like, I can't relate to any of that. So I get what it's like to have a really shitty situation no one's able to relate to so have your club guys i'm not gonna tell anyone so she finds out that they're gay yeah and is like it's cool i'll leave myself yeah and min's like wait no it's still a geography club you can still be here if you're cool you can stay yeah i really like belinda she's described when she first turns up as wearing like smiley face earrings and like bright orange jacket and a matching orange hairband and she's really bubbly and shiny and then like Russell finds out that like her mother's an alcoholic and he's like wow maybe she is performing all the time like I'm performing with like pretending to be a macho dude around the jocks but my personal preference would be actually she's also a bubbly person but she does have shitty stuff happening I'm glad that that Belinda's on the level. Yeah, and she's... Because I really like the name Belinda and I would have been sad. She's really sweet. Um, So because she's there, mm-hmm. Min turns up to the next meeting after she saw Russell being mean to Brian Bunt yeah. and she's like, I vote we should include Brian in the club because what is the purpose of this club? And everyone's like, well, it's, it's a gay club. And Belinda's like, I'm not gay. <laughs> And they're like, well, it isn't just like a non-gay club. It's not just a club anyone can join. And Min is like, it is a club for people who are marginalized. 
And therefore, Brian should be allowed in because he is marginalized by the school body. Yeah. So when they first... Is Brian a white boy? I think Brian is a white boy. Cool. Continue. When Brian... No. When the club is first devised, they come up with bylaws. Like, we start every session and everyone can talk for five minutes without anyone interrupting them. If we need to make any changes to the rules, we'll do a vote. And because there's five of us, there can never be a draw. But now there's six of them. So there can be a draw. So in the case of a draw, the status quo remains. Mm -hmm. Min votes that they should invite Brian to join. So does Belinda. Therese doesn't. Okay. Kevin doesn't. Ike doesn't. And Russell, seeing what's happening around him, is like, if I say yes, it'll just be a symbolic vote. I just saw how betrayed Min looked when Therese voted the opposite way to her. So I'll vote in line with her. I'm going to vote in line with Kevin because I don't want my relationship to fall apart the same way. Oh. So four to two, they don't invite Brian to join. Interesting. Okay. So. Min is upset about this. Min is upset about this. And... Min's relationship with Therese kind of breaks down at this point because another theme in this book is kind of like intimacy and secrecy and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So Min and Therese's relationship had been like quite secret. Like they just met in a warehouse uptown to fool around essentially Mm -hmm. uh, for a few years and it was just their secret. And as soon as they have this conversation in the pizza parlor at the very start of the book, Min tells Russell, like, it feels different now that people know. And it was, like, a special thing just between the two of us. And now it isn't. And slowly over the course of the book, it does get to the stage where it's like, they were forced together by being the only two gay girls they knew. And they kind of realise it isn't enough to hold them together. Like... Min is a very moral and forthright person and Therese is not. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. But that's also like just that's a part of growing up as well though, where mm-hmm. you're like this person who I was with at they've been doing this for years. So the person I was with at fourteen is not yeah. the person I sh- need to be with at sixteen. Yeah. And ongoing. And a very similar kind of thing actually ends up happening to Kevin and Russell. So Gunnar asks Russell to go on a third date mm-hmm. with this girl who does not want to go on any dates with. And he's just like, listen, we'll just go to the movies. It's fine. And Russell is no like... No one ever kisses at the movies. Teens never kiss at movies, especially. Teens never kiss. Teens can't kiss. Their mouths would just drop off. <laughs> <laughs> like soft asparagus. I'm not stop saying that phrase. Stop saying that phrase. Gunnar's like, it's just the cinema. You can go straight home afterwards. I really like this girl. She won't go on a date that's just the two of us. So please double date again. But it's not the cinema. It's one of the girls' beach houses. Oh no, he's been tricked. He's been tricked into a sexy situation with a girl. And they play the world's shortest game of truth or dare. Where... uh, the other three teens have already drank quite a bit and the girl who's with Gunner is like, I dare you to kiss me. And then they just start making out. That's... And Russell's like, I'm going to go. Oh, oh, teenagers. Our primary aud- target audience. Oh. Gunner's quite drunk. So for, for a sexual person, I hate all discussion or descriptions, or just any reminder that sex exists. Like, for a non-asexual person, I hate it. You're a good so Irish much. Catholic. <laughs> Sometimes people on TV have sex, and then the TV shows it to you. It has nothing to do with the plot or the story or anything. They just have sex on the TV. I didn't and know. And I'm expected to watch it. I didn't know you were coming to us live from the 1950s. I just. 
really hate it. I agree with you about sex on TV, because, like, who are you going to be watching TV with? Your friends, or your family, or your partner, or people who you don't know very well. None of those are people who I actually want to watch... Kissing with. Yeah, it's like, like, even if you do want to watch a sexy thing, there's specific stuff for that now. Yeah. Like, they, they're... you don't need to watch, like, a film. No. And I just want my films to be lonely and, like, rated 12s. <laughs> Hence why we have a young adult podcast. <laughs> because as we said earlier, teens can't kiss. Cut all of that. All right. Absolutely not. Back to the book. So, Russell's... Russell wants to leave. Gunnar has had a few drinks and he's quite surly about it. And he's like, Russell, you said you'd do this for me. And Russell's like... I said I'd go to the cinema. Basically, yeah. He's like, you keep tricking me. You keep making me spend more time than I want. And you keep like... Like making... me. You keep guilting me. And the two girls are there at this time. And, you know, the one who was really into Russell is like, what? You don't like me? Yeah. I you liked me. We kissed and stuff. Yeah. I asked you to have sex with me and you turned me down because it was in a car. Yeah. And she was like, but oh. now we're in a house. We're going to make it special because there was going to be walls and a seashell theme. All of this comes out and Russell has a little bit of an outburst because he's quite annoyed at Gunnar. And then he just leaves. He has to walk because Gunnar won't give him his keys. And Gunnar's like, oh, well, I thought we'd stay over. So he leaves and he walks two hours. This is... He walks two hours to a phone booth where he calls Kevin and Kevin comes and picks him up. At this point, we also get the only mention of parents in the entire book where Russell says, I also rang my parents to let them know Gunnar had a flat tire but that I'd be home soon. Mm-hmm. And that is the entire... Ah, parents ignoring their children. Letting them run wild around the wilds of wherever this book is set. Since at least 2003. (laughs) Since, like, the formation of the earth, let's be real. Mm, But less so now. Yeah, the fear. They like to know where we are. Apps and shit. Apps and shit. Mm -hmm. So now we have three people who are very upset with our protagonist. And it's 2003 in a conservative place in America. What do we think happens next? Does he get outed? Someone starts a rumour that he's gay. Of course. (laughs) And he arrives at school on Monday acting like normal. And he's like, hey guys, to some of the jock dudes. And one of them's like, what the fuck? Is it true what they're saying? And Russell's like, what are they saying? And... The guy's like, that you're gay and you're the gay kid who put in the application to make a gay club. And Russell's like, what the fuck? No. And then he panics because he's like, is that what a straight person who was accused of being gay would say? Oh no. And then he's like, well, I'm an outcast now. Uh, I cannot come back from this. Does he have to go hang out with Brian? And does he apologize to Brian? Does he apologize to Brian? So when lunchtime comes, he goes to sit with Brian. And Brian's really cool, actually. Russell is like, oh, I am sorry for, like, those times I said those things. And Brian does not remember. And Russell's like, well, how do you, how do you survive, like, knowing all the bad things people are thinking about you? And Brian kind of looks at him like he's stupid. And he's like, you can't waste your energy on what people think if you're going to be in this life. You have to focus on when they actually do stuff to you and how you cope with that. And Brian just like... You can't deal with how they verbally abuse you. You gotta concentrate on how they physically abuse you. Essentially, yeah. Because that hurts more physically and shows bruises. You can show people bruises. No, it's more like Russell flashes back to, oh, all the time people throw food at Brian and the time they... They wrapped him in a bra and put makeup on his face and shoved him into the cafeteria to make a public spectacle out of him. And, you know, just all the terrible times people did stuff to, like, degrade and demean him in, like, a public... Manner. Yeah. So, like, 
Obviously, he's afraid all of the time, but I understand now how my saying a mean thing once or twice didn't... Yeah. Didn't register as much. Okay. And turns out Brian's really cool, and Russell's like, you know what? I want to be your friend. People are missing out not knowing you, and it's cool. This is maybe going to be okay. And then the next day he comes into school, and the jocks are like, Shit, dude, sorry we believed that about you. And he's like, what? And it turns out Brian went into school after school that day and put in an application to make a gay-straight alliance. So, And he got them to backdate it and Belinda helped him with it so that Russell could stop being an outcast. He sacrificed himself. I mean, that's really nice for him. Mm-hmm. That's really nice of him. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't feel like, like it is a sacrifice, but also he was already being bullied for it. Yeah. So mostly I think that he spent one day with, like one lunch hour with Russell and mm-hmm. was like, I never want to talk to this boy again. So I'm going to do this so that he can go and talk to the jocks so that I can have my lunch on my own. <laughs> I like that interpretation. But if, <laughs> if that is what's true, then Brian's like quite diplomatic about it because Russell's like, dude, what the fuck? And Brian's like, there only has to be one laughing stock. There doesn't have to be two. You can have like a non-shitty life. It's fine. I will take the shitty life for you. Essentially, yeah. Oh my god, I don't know any 16-year-olds, and I definitely wasn't that 16-year-old who would have made that sacrifice. No, I know, right? This dude's a fucking angel. Is he gay? No, because Russell asks. (laughs) Russell's like, so now we're both at the bottom of the fucking pond. I am gay, by the way. Are you gay? And Brian's like, no, I thought I was for a week, but then I realised I wasn't, and... Russell's like, if anyone was going to lie, that's not the lie they'd tell. I think that's the only answer someone could have to that question that I would 100% believe. Fair so, enough. Yeah. So, like, he he didn't even want a GSA. He was literally just doing this for the self-sacrifice. Yeah. MVP. Really, really, yeah. He is very good. And then next meeting of Geography Club... Ike changes his vote and he says actually I think we should let Brian in because Brian is actually getting bullied for being gay even if he isn't gay he's getting homophobic bullying and therefore he belongs in our club and also by the way guys I attempted suicide when I was 14 and I'm really worried that if we don't let Brian have a support group he might end up in a dark place like I was so I think it would be great if we could be a friend group for him and Russell changes his vote because he's have a, had a meaningful conversation with him now, right? And now Russell's vote is no longer symbolic. And Min is like, Russell. And Russell does not change his vote. And Min is like, Therese. And Therese does not change her vote. And Min is like, Kevin. Kevin. And Kevin does not change his vote. But then later on, Kevin's like, Russell, I think you should vote in line with what you think. Uh... And it, there's just a really cool... But how does Kevin know that Russell isn't voting in line with how he thinks? Because he hesitated. And he okay. looked at Kevin. And it's it, there's a very interesting bit where, like, Kevin is describing his attraction to men at one point, And he's like, you know, I just like how guys are, like, they're, like, loud and they're bold. And, like, they take risks and they take chances. And so Russell's like, oh, God, better take chances. And, like, that's why he joins the baseball team and stuff. But then when... Russell is an outcast for a day Kevin won't talk to him and he tries to like he tries to like get him alone and Kevin's like I can't talk to you uh no we can't we can't do this and Russell's like just come meet me at like the bandstand this tonight and Kevin doesn't come but then like the next day when he's a jock again everything's back to normal and Russell's like so much for liking brave guys you piece of shit you can like brave guys and not be a brave guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the case here. O- often, you like things in other people that you lack in yourself. This is true. And this is true of Kevin. 
and he is at least a little bit self-aware of it because at the end of the book then he's like Russell we can get back together and Russell's like no no we we can't and in the end in the end the geography club minus Kevin and Therese plus Gunnar do become a gay straight alliance and they get like school administrative support support and everything that's awesome why does um so Kevin doesn't join because he doesn't want to be outed yeah I assume why doesn't Therese join same reason as Kevin just doesn't want to be outed yeah they seem to be in very similar positions because like at the start of the book for example um when they all first meet for pizza none of them have anything to talk about because none of them have anything in common and then like Kevin and Therese start talking about their sports and it becomes really like obvious that these are the two most popular people here and then like and they therefore have the most to lose quotation yeah they have the most to lose they form their geography club into a GSA and they wait for the other gay kid to arrive because Presumably there's another gay kid, right? Because someone asked the teacher about someone it Someone asked before. the teacher about it and they don't know who it is. But there's like this awareness that like, okay, it's hard to be brave. It is really hard to be brave. And one of the allegories they use when they're debating whether to bring Brian into the club is like, if you get too close to a drowning person, they can drag you down as well. Mm-hmm. So it is very risky to take on causes of empathy when with people who are like very very oppressed but they're like oh shit it is so good for us to have this club maybe other people can come and it's real nice maybe instead of getting real close to the drowning person you could throw him a boy and the boy would be the club also a thing i would or say a life jacket like you don't need to go and hug the drowning person who will then pull you down mm-hmm. you can just throw them a lifeline and that is why gay straight alliances are good also i would say that the book kind of undermines that attitude because it is not that the drowning people drag people down with them it's that the people on the pier push people closer to the edge to get themselves more secure yeah you know it is the in the book in the narrative it is the more popular kids who are pushing each other down in fear of Mm -hmm. becoming the drowning person and no one's helping the drowning person because they're afraid that if they reach out to throw a lifeline one of the jocks will push them in and they'll be drowning as well yeah you don't have to run faster than the lion you just have to run faster than the other person so is there any like there's more books but this book is fairly self-contained this book is really self-contained i really really loved it i would say it was it was so readable i would compare it to never bite a boy on the first date it was so great it was so easy to read and yeah i just really really loved it cool i'm trying to think there's there's so much to talk about in terms of themes it's very very real i 100% believe that the author was a leader at a teen LGBT support group (laughs) in the 90s. It's so real. And also, I like the fact that there's, like, a follow-up short story where Russell gets tested for HIV. That's really cool. I I love everything where people get tested for HIV. Because it's important to know your status. It's important to know your status if you're HIV positive. It's important to know your status if you're HIV negative. Because you can do things based on both pieces of information. If you have no information, you can't do anything. Hi, I'm a librarian and I want everyone to know everything. Mm. Good points. Prep and PEP both exist. If you are HIV positive, you can be treated to the extent that your symptoms are very manageable and you can be undetectable. No, this is important to say. And untransmittable. And if you are not HIV positive, yeah, you can take prep to ensure that that remains the case. I'm looking over my notes for this book. Um, I've got things like erotic baseball playing. <laughs> because what is this Twilight? <laughs> Do they only play in the rain? No, but that 
you're right twilight is amazing literature and more people should appreciate it and we will have an episode about it on the pod what other notes do you have um like i said how it was extremely extremely realistic part of it is that belinda's like real proud of being the token straight person (laughs) when the (laughs) like when they're debating whether they should bring Brian in, Belinda's like, I think we should expand our straight contingent. As a minority in this space, I would like another straight person here. My straight friend, who is affectionately nicknamed Token, uh, recently had to get her employers to fix their rainbow flag because they had put it up upside down. But yeah, I'm real proud of Russell in this because he does some shitty things. But he also forgives a lot of people for doing shitty things to him. But he also knows where to draw the line with that forgiveness. Like Gunnar, he forgives. He's really, really upset, obviously. And Gunnar comes up and he's lying, like always. He's saying, I didn't start that rumour. I want you to know I didn't start that rumour. But I was there when the two girls talked about starting it. But I told them not to. Okay, I didn't tell them not to, but I didn't tell them to. Okay, I did tell them to, but I'm sorry. I started the rumor. <laughs> yeah. And Oh my god. And Russell's like, that was really shitty to do, especially because I am actually gay. And Gunnar's like, I know. I've known for like five years. I'm sorry, dude. I shouldn't have done that. I just really wanted a girlfriend. I really liked her. I can't believe that he suspected slash knew that his bestie boy was gay and still was like come come have sex with this girl so that i can have sex with this other girl yeah why would you do that to your mate no one needs a girlfriend that badly no no one should ruin a relationship for the potential of another relationship or if you do you should know that you have done a dick move yeah read your audience better gunner Mm -hmm. and by your audience i mean your friendships Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Okay, uh, anything you didn't like about the book? I don't think so. There are things in this book that happen that are bad. Yeah. Like someone gets forcibly outed. But... I mean, things happen in every book that are bad and that is how you get a plot. Exactly. I'm like, there are bad things happening, but it's not like bad, bad writing. It's, it's all good writing. I love all of it. I would say... You don't have to not like anything. I don't think there is a downside. Obviously, I would say I really hate that the health teacher was fired for saying these comments. I would say I would have preferred a version of this book where, because they needed an administrative support person, they needed mm-hmm. like a te- they needed a teacher who was willing to sign off on them being a club, and they got around this by choosing a teacher who was like very much just absent and doesn't care as happy to let them get on with things and I was hoping that they'd like bring in the health teacher as like an adult who was on their side and like when they needed like when things were getting worse they would be able to be like hey actually we want to actually do this club can you put us in contact with that other kid and that kind of thing yeah well it makes sense that they couldn't because like it's a small town, but, like, it's a small town that has 800 students in this school mm-hmm. and has other high schools, so it's not that small a town. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means that the teacher probably is, like, not someone they could just walk around to their house. Yeah. And also, it's quite possible that if this school fired her for being supportive of LGBT people, which is a thing that happens particularly in America, where this book is set, mm-hmm. um... She might have even have to have left the town slash city in order to get another job. Yeah. So the downside is the lack of job security for teachers in America. (laughs) Yeah. That is the low light of this book. Uh, The highlight is all of it. I particularly liked Min as a character. Uh, She is bisexual, which explains her braininess and perfectionism. She has a torrid affair in the dark with a jock girl and then realises that she's emotionally outgrown this relationship and moves past it and she is a good and kind person and she forgives her friends when they slip up and doesn't forgive her girlfriend for being a 
too afraid to stand up for other people because she knows that that's a line in the sand she draws for herself. She's the moral backbone of this group. Like, yeah. every bisexual. She bisexuals is. are the moral backbone. Back mm. Bisexuals. <laughs> Do you want to take that one again? No, I just want to say bisexual. Bisexuals are the moral backbone of of every good group. Moral back. I just love bisexuals. Kira, I love myself. Kira is the moral backbone of this podcast. <laughs> um, sidelights, highlights are all the same. They're just Belinda was also good. The phrase "the raccoon in me was enchanted by the mirrors and the flashing lights" is so good. That's gonna become. That's gonna become our tagline. Yeah. <laughs> podcast uh, mascot. The raccoon in me who's enchanted by the flashing lights. I was just gonna go with a raccoon, but I don't know how you would I don't know how you would design it to be all of those things in one image, but You've got the silhouette of a person that's black, and then inside of it you have a raccoon and it's like staring up in delight at like shiny things that are around the person. Hey artists, we will commission. <laughs> <laughs> Please, patrons, give us money so we can give it to an artist. Yes. To, to get them to draw a raccoon inside a person's silhouette being enchanted by shiny things. Yeah, because this is a spiritual raccoon. Spiritual it's, inner raccoon. It's not starting a... to sound like it needs to be a gif so that we can have, like, actual glitter. Yeah, that would be nice. I would like if it was, like, a MySpace Bebo 2008 like yes. stamp thing this episode has been very loose let's close it up it's a good book everyone should read it i don't know if i'll read the other seven in the series because the next one they're at summer camp and i'm just not into that that was our book our next books are going to be education themed because this is we're heading into september uh, and we're a ya podcast so it's gonna be about going back to school what's the next book you're reading kira I don't have any titles for you right now, but we will put them on our Twitter and you can find out what we're reading on Goodreads. Mm. What are our usernames on those platforms, Kira? Our usernames across all platforms is foreveryapod. Indeed. So follow us, tweet at us, support us on Patreon. Again, foreveryapod. Subscribe to us. If you are an iTunes user, Apple podcast user, leave us a review and give us five stars because I don't know how algorithms work and I don't want to find out but I do know that stars help um help other people find us by liking and reviewing essentially and if you were in a GSA or if you had like a cool gay group tweet us and tell us how that went for you because it seems like it's going good for these these kids but it was a journey to get there Yes. Also, if you have read this book and want to talk to us about it, or if you listen to this episode and we're like, oh my god, this reminds me so much of this other book, please tell us about that because I really, really enjoyed this book and I would like more similar books to read in future. We have been Forever Young Adult Podcast. Talk to you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. A good podcast where we review books. Kira's your wild librarian. Eva, where are the lesbians? They're here to answer all of your questions because they're forever young adults. Bye, like minutes. I hate you. <laughs> you don't get, you don't get to make those puns. <laughs> hey, the outro music has happened and you're still here. I think you want to follow us on Twitter. Yeah, you can find us there at Forever YA Pod. And on Instagram at Forever YA Pod. You can also email us at Forever YA Pod. And if you really, really like what you're hearing, you can contribute to our Patreon, which you can find at Forever YA Pod. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe. Also, if you are listening on iTunes, please leave us a review. We love you. Talk to you in two weeks. Bye.